Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 119, take two of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the OpenStack Summit here in Hong Kong. Uh, it's a private joke. It'll make the blooper reel. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> we're here with, with Kenneth Yu. Hoi. Sorry again. How are you doing, dude? Good. It feels like it's been forever since the last one. Hasn't I know. Exactly. It's not like we just walked downstairs and recorded another one. Um, <laughs> so we are here with Scott Snedden. Snedden. Yeah, got it. With Nuage. Nuage. Networks. Yeah. And, and uh, so how are you doing today, dude? I'm doing really well. Yeah, I'm doing well. <laughs> Sorry I'm punchy. It's morning. That's all right. I've been in Asia for two weeks, so I'm actually kind of over the jet oh, lag. Wow. Have you really? Yeah, wow. yeah. So uh, Nuage is this business unit or, or uh, venture under Alcatel-Lucent, and mm-hmm. the Alcatel carrier team does their users group meeting uh, wow. in, in each region every year, and we had our Asia users group meeting in Bangkok last week. Nice. So it was interesting. It was a good time. Yeah. Cool, cool. So that kind of brings us to then... What's, what's your, first of all, your background in networking, and then more specifically tie it back into Nuage Networks, yeah, and, okay. and why are you here sure. at the, yeah. the OpenStack Summit? Well, um, I mean, I'll try and keep it short, because it's, it's, it's a long story. <laughs> um, I, in the early 90s, I, I got into tech, I you know, went to some trade schools and learned a little computer programming and things. Um, I, uh, my first job was at Pacific Bell, uh, the, the phone company in California at the time. Um, later acquired by SBC, now part is right. AT&T. But, uh, so I was just a, a sysadmin working on some uh, Sun OS systems back in the day. Uh, started to learn IP, hanging out, smoking cigarettes outside the building with the <laughs> network engineers. And, and nice. we were moving from an X25 to an IP network in 92. And I, and I got to work on that because I'd gotten to be friendly with these guys. And I was willing to work the night shift and support these maintenance windows that they were doing. So... <laughs> Um, that turned into uh, a job working at what became Pacific Bell Internet. So the, the Internet service, and, and uh, it was me and another engineer and a marketing guy that started that thing and, and learned all about BGP and routing and, and the challenges of building an ISDN access network, and, and that became a DSL access network about the time I left. Uh, left Pac Bell and joined Exodus Communications in 98, so big data center provider maybe one of the early inventors of cloud or or at least hosting right sure. and, and outsourcing my, my IT services um, to someplace other than the closet next to my office so right. um, you know we, we worked there I uh, became director of network architecture there um, while I was director of network architecture I got to know a startup called Timetra that was building at the time an MPLS router I thought there was an interesting use case in the data center for that because in 1999, 2000, we were running into VLAN explosion problems and lots and lots of spanning tree and trying to figure out how we route in the data center instead of switch. And then that, you know, scale challenges and segmentation. And and I thought maybe at the time MPLS might be a good fit. We were blinded by the stock price and thought we had more money than we really had and thought we could could buy MPLS routers for the data center. But in reality, that wasn't the case. Um, But so after Exodus imploded and, and, uh, was acquired, I went to work at Timetra. Timetra was acquired by Alcatel. Um, the Timetra box became the service router line, which is now a $2 billion business for Alcatel, selling into carriers, uh, a lot of success in IP routing. Um, left Alcatel in 2008 and went to Juniper, 
got to work with uh, IBM and a couple of other partners on some early cloud deployments. So I worked on some architectures at AT&T, some architectures at France Telecom that um, you know were really some of the early hey, Amazon might be taking some money away from us, let's figure out how we offer infrastructure as a service. Mm-hmm. And that led to learning about OpenStack and, and uh, watching what Rackspace was doing at the time and getting really interested in the project. Um, I got to work on QFabric very early on and helped launch that on the field team and talking to customers about it and started advocating two things at Juniper. One was this model of, of API-driven networking and how we start to work with these cloud orchestration systems and represent automation for the application layer. and so you also, create a soft-defined SDN. Well, I, we all kind of had this concept. And, and, you know, when you pull back the covers of SDN, it all starts to look like distributed networking and, and some of the things we've been doing for a long sure. ways. It's just, you know, who's the consumer of that network now and how do I provision that network? And so, architecturally, I thought QFabric was actually a great design. Um, the execution, you know, left you know, some questions in some customer minds, and it was hard to get traction in the marketplace. Um, so I started to kind of see this picture of maybe a, a fabric model with, with a maybe BGP-signaled kind of overlay structure yeah. using VPN technologies, a la MPLS or eVPN, yeah. instead of uh, VLANs and, and switching might be a good architecture. The question is, where's the network endpoint? Is it a top-of-rack switch, or is it something down at a hypervisor in most right. cases? So then uh, I came across a small company called Viata um, that was working on some concepts around that area and pushing the envelope on software networking on x86. And we had some architectural ideas on, on how to build a distributed system Who there. picked them up? Was it Brocade? Brocade, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so then I, so I was the chief solutions architect there and kind of ran the technical field team and, and talked to a lot of customers for a year, including Rackspace. Right. And, and uh, right. um, then... Uh, after the Brocade acquisition, um, they started to kind of redirect the strategy for Viata towards NFV applications and not necessarily for data center distributed applications. Um, at that time, I reconnected with my old Time Metro buddies who were now working on this Nuage project within Alcatel. And uh, my first meeting with the CEO was, so Sunil, tell me what you're doing. And he says, well, Scott, you work for a competitor. I can't tell you what we're doing. And I says, well, let me tell you what I think you're doing. And I basically described the architecture to him. He said, well, great. Okay, come on board. <laughs> well, and so so if you go look at your LinkedIn profile, it says, yeah, I'll quote here. I think I, I think we have the coolest network virtualization slash SDN solution on the market. My job is to convince the world that I'm right. So there's a lot of, you know, uh, exactly that, network virtualization slash SDN company solutions out there and so what makes nuage different what makes them cool well you know, what what differentiate differentiates you from the others out there well we're cool because we just picked the french word for cloud as our company name because <laughs> it was so thought. painful painfully you have to obvious. say you have to say it, nuage nuage my no, mother no. always tells me i'm saying it wrong she's studying <laughs> french so um we uh what, what we do is is we do a lot of kind of revolutionary things but leveraging a lot of technology that's very well understood. So this concept of SDN and separating control plane and forwarding plane, um, when I kind of take away the, the discussion of open flow or not and, yeah. and things like that, it's really just a router control plane with a bunch of line cards. It's just distributed physically and not all contained within a chassis. And so then I think about the constructs that make a router work 
and start to think about the tools and the protocols for signaling that router and making that router coexist in a network. And there's some really obvious protocol choices that might come. And, and so things like BGP for peering with other elements, things like, um, you know, calculating a forwarding table at a control plane and then pushing a very small subset of information down to that forwarding device. And yeah, OpenFlow is a good protocol for communicating those kind of fibs, but, um, which we do leverage, we do use OpenFlow internally. Uh, but uh, I, you know, when I kind of take away this, this whole discussion of um, you know, learned flows and programming flow tables and do I have the cam size in my switches to do that, yeah. and just say, well, let's just simplify that and, and say this is a distributed router, and we've got ways to manage the, the size. I mean, we're using OpenV switch as our forwarding element largely. We've added some agent code there. So, you know, it, we, we do five-tuple matching and routing at that, at yeah. that level. But from an administrator's perspective, it's just a big router. And so then when I talk to a network engineer and describe this model of separation of control plane and forwarding plane, then in reality, it's just a big router. Yeah. And you can actually log into a CLI and do show interface. You can also do show vSwitch and things like that. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it looks and feels like a router. And, and yeah. then when I talk about how do I make this coexist in my existing network, well, we have things like ISIS and OSPF and BGP peering and things like that. And then these virtual networks that we define inside the solution are VXLAN encapsulated, but they're signaled like a BGP eVPN route, a multi-protocol BGP. And so then we describe these concepts from a routing control plane and forwarding plane point of view, and a network guy goes, oh, so that's what it's all about? And, and you know, you get this aha <laughs> right, right. moment. And that's a really cool thing to do. Yeah. And so then, you know, the networking problem is actually pretty simple because we're, we're doing the... the the layout is new and different, but the technology that's underneath is actually things that have been around for a long time. And so then we can start to talk about the policy layer and the application-driven framework and how we represent that network as easy-to-consume things. Sure. And that's where I think we're cool. I, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the network thing is cool, yeah. and I don't want to downplay the importance of that, but where we've really been able to focus, yep. because we're leveraging code from Alcatel, we don't have to go write a new BGP stack, so then... We've got, we've got two developers working on the networking stack there because we have a team of developers at Alcatel that are worrying about the network stack. Right, so, right. you know, we can focus on, on the policy uh, and abstraction there that sits above that. Well, and so uh, that brings actually the next question of, so the new uh, the VSP platform, you actually have an element called business logic yeah. in the SDN abstraction. And what makes that kind of unique and tell me a little bit about that because most of them really just kind of focus okay here's yeah. layer two three seven yeah right but actually having the concept of business logic in well uh, you know yeah do, do people have first of all have trouble wrapping their head around that they, they do <laughs> yeah. and second too. of all <laughs> and, and, and second of all does that how does that help in the you know connecting business to operations right right aspects? well so i to, to kind of simplify it First, the uh, the concept here is really um, in a lot of networking solutions, whether they be SDN or otherwise, if I'm going to represent a network to an application guy, the way I'm doing that in a lot of times is saying, okay, you now have a programmatic way to pick your switch and pick your router and pick your firewall, and then provision that switch router and firewall with your specific rules. 
and and you know a network guy knows how to manage that because they understand okay this IP address gets programmed in my router and I need to set up this OSPF adjacency and I have to get very specific right. into these firewall rules to make my network service happen but when I'm going to push some abstraction to an application developer or a DevOps team, they don't understand or want to be bothered right. with those kinds of things. Right. I mean, you've seen how hard it is to configure a VPC at Amazon. There's a lot of steps involved. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, it, it, so, okay, I've got a network engineer that can do that, and maybe I can start to script some of that, but it becomes a management headache to worry about those things. Sure. So the policy engine and the business abstraction layer here is really trying to say, let's define networks as just groups of services. I have a set of servers that are going to connect to a common network, and that common network will have some sort of security policy. But I don't have to worry about where I'm placing that network, what my IP addressing is. That can all be learned and programmed from a DHCP server or some, some database yeah. externally to the policy. And I define my connectivity models to say, this grouping talks to this grouping, this grouping talks to that grouping, and I can get specific into, I mean, we're doing ACLs, so I get specific into an ACL on, on what that that uh, that policy is going to be or that, that security policy right. will be. Right. But then it's just saved as a simple template. And that template then gets consumed by users. So a network administrator can come in and define the business policy for a set of sure. application, which is, you know, these applications need to have this connectivity model and, you know, QoS and, and egress policies on how I get to an MPLS WAN are also mm -hmm. included in that. Yep. And then that's just saved as a template. And then a consumer of the template would be a Neutron, you know, an OpenStack user that's going to create Neutron networks or right. a, a vCenter user that's going to attach some VM to some network. But the network is just a simple that's my network, I connect to it. And all the policy and yeah. all of the specific network configuration gets automatically pushed into the network when that VM attaches. So trying to simplify the, the application developer view is, yeah. is really what, what it's about. So is it fair to say that's like a, sounds almost like a declarative model, where it's like in the old yeah. iterative model, you sort of, you know, here's my VLAN, here's, here's you know, my IP, here's, my, here's all the configuration like I said for my network. Yep. Declares, says, this, I have an application and this is what I need it to do. Yeah, here's yeah. Just, you know, and then you just declare it and then underneath the covers all the policies get set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good, yeah. That's great. Well, and, and so while we're in the kind of making comparisons here, you we before we hit record, we were talking about OpenStack and plugins and, and, <laughs> and Neutron. And, and, you know, tell us a little bit about, okay, you know, how, first of all, how you're plugging into Neutron, because I assume it's a Neutron plugin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and tell us a little bit about those details and, and, also, you kind of said you had some challenges around describing that at times, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So if, if SDN isn't hard enough, then SDN plugins into OpenStack. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People's minds go... No, yeah. So <laughs> the, uh, the kind of goal of Neutron is to, to give some programmatic access to the OpenStack system to create networks. And, and, you know, how you define a network is sort of a secondary conversation. It's, it's the, you know, that we just want to create networks. And... Uh, you know, so we can start to say, okay, a network is, in simple terms, some subnets, and then I need a router to connect those subnets, and then I've got these security groups that define some policy in between. But um, it's difficult to find every use case and define them in that way. Uh, and then I, I've always been of the opinion that OpenStack shouldn't necessarily worry about the implementation details of mm -hmm. that subnet and router and, right. and ACL. 
and and so I think the concept, at least in my mind, of what a plugin is for uh, for Neutron is is an API translator, right? I've I've got these generic definitions of a subnet, a router, a, a ACL, or security policy, and then if I've got a Cisco switch or a brocade switch yeah. or a Nuage, um, you know, virtualized services platform underneath, right. let us worry about the deployment details of that. Yeah. So. Um, the plugin is just the translator from the Neutron generic API to our specific APIs, right, right. or Cisco's specific APIs, or whatever that might be. Uh, you know, the, the challenge there then is when you start going very use case driven and, and you know, item by item and by item, that the APIs and the calls and the definitions get very piecemeal, and, and yeah. you know, you're, you're back to this kind of iterative approach of, of you know, choosing my network and configuring my router. and, and so there is this proposal that we're um, introducing on Friday here at the summit um, called the Group-Based Policy Abstraction Model for okay. Neutron. Um, Cisco's signed on, Juniper's on, uh, we've got IBM support, Red Hat support, um, I see Plexi has contributed to this blueprint, and then the Nuage team, of course. And so, right. you know, it's a good cast of characters, I think, that have this idea that maybe we want to start to represent the network as... Um, just a set of business logic policy definitions right. instead of specifically defining things like subnets and routers and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so it's, it's trying to kind of up-level the abstraction yeah. a little bit That's, more. Yeah, I like that because, you know, kind of hallway conversations this week, um, Neutron is just a train wreck in its current state yeah. or it's the prettiest girl at the dance and everyone wants to you know <laughs> yeah, depending on right. depending on which view you take right 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 it, it's one of those it's almost it almost seems like a, a little bit of um, and I actually uh, I think I used this analogy yesterday with George Reese but you know a little bit of building the plane while you're flying it yep yes. but at the same time it seems to be like there's a hell of a lot of people wanting to build it yeah yeah yes. <laughs> and is that a good thing That's is that a exactly bad thing well, because you know, it can be both. Right? Yeah, like too many cooks be. in the kitchen yeah, type of thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, it felt like early on in Neutron that you had a lot of really, really smart application people trying to figure yeah. out this problem, and not enough networking people. Right. And now it's seeming like maybe we've got a few too many networking. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, it, I, yeah, it's um, there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and, it, and it's a difficult thing to manage. Um, and then now you've kind of got questions thrown in with, well, maybe Open Daylight becomes our open networking platform, and then their simple plug-in is all we need for OpenStack. Right. And then those of us that are working on Open Daylight plug into that. Um, that might be a good model down the road. We're sure. not ready for that yet. Right. I mean, Open right. Daylight's making great progress, and we're members, but uh, it's not quite ready. I can't go to... A rack space and say make open daylight your right. networking platform yeah. now. You, it's not ready for well, that. So. Well, did their first version drop yet? Because I know uh, it was coming a little later this year. I okay, that's the plan. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah their sponsor here. I was ever talking their booth earlier. I just couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. So. I think it comes in December if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm at dinner with a, a, a web hosting provider last night that we're we're trying to court, and uh, yeah, right. you know he he just kind of threw out the bold statement that maybe Neutron needs to die and. and Daylight becomes the networking for OpenStack. I, <laughs> well, I, wow. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think we need to go that far yet. Right. right. It, it right. could be something to think about. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's, you know, it almost seems like too many plugs and all the plugs work with each other and you could very much get a circular logic kind yeah. of thing going of you get this plugging into this and this plugs into this and that plugs back into the original one. And, yeah, absolutely. So, I, But I think what we're really kind of, what's becoming 
really clear to me is is we need this kind of change in organizational structure right. in enterprise, in service provider, in the open source community mm-hmm. to get more interaction between the Nova team and the and the Neutron team, or yeah. between the server team at that big enterprise and the networking right. team. We, we've got to start melding these groups together. And you know, we'll all have our domain expertise, but we also need awareness and cooperation from the beginning to right. design a solution. Right. And uh, yeah, that becomes more and more clear all the time. Sure. So playing devil's advocate for a second, um, there's a lot of SDN or network virtualization solutions out there. Um, why work with an SDN startup based on Lucent Alcatel? Yeah. <laughs> why, you know, because at the end of the day, you're not necessarily always on the short list. That, uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's been interesting to go talk to a handful of customers who, um, you know, I'll introduce the new solution, and their answer to me is, wow, you guys are really late. And I say, right. but we're actually shipping product. Right. And some of the others aren't yet. So, yeah. but well, know. and I always find that funny because, again, this goes to other conversations we've had earlier. You know, oh, you're 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 late to whatever. You're right. late to cloud. You're late to SDN. You're like, yeah, but oh, to what market? Right. 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 <laughs> I. You know, yeah. what is the what is the the total addressable market now versus two years from now, three years from now, and how much sales are actually happening? Being late to the market isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, absolutely. And and that's kind of the approach we took is is we weren't first to market, but we were able to see the market shape up yeah. and and yeah. see what customers were interested in and. And really build a product that's real and deployable right. and, and usable today. Um, right. We shipped 1.0. 2.0 comes out in a couple more weeks. Um, we've got a bunch of customers using it in labs and some early field deployments. We'll announce some public you know, production customers later this year. So we're very close to that. Um, but, you know, we... I went to... I decided to go work on this at Alcatel because I know the team and I know what they're capable right. of. The engineering team and the product team at Nuage is the same guys that built this MPLS router and turned that into a $2 billion business. Mm-hmm. And and so that's that's reason one. Reason yeah. two is we don't have a, a horse in this race in the data center at all, so we can be as disruptive as we want right. to be. We don't sell a lot of data center switching. There is a business unit at Alcatel that does have some enterprise presence, um, but they're not the, the contender in the data center. And right. they, we don't have... a multi-billion dollar data center business to protect. So we can be really, really disruptive and, and do whatever we want to do to a certain extent. Right. So, right. so we're not necessarily bound to a hardware platform. Sure. Right. And then it's we're totally funded by Alcatel-Lucent, which you know has its challenges, but we've got uh, plenty of funding, so I didn't have to worry about a VC backing out because there are 100 SDN-like startups <laughs> right. out there. And, and uh, um, we're also very arm's length, and we run uh, pretty autonomously, and and that was key to me too, because you yeah, know you yeah. want to be able to have this kind of dynamic environment where where you can innovate without necessarily having a big beast of a company watching your every move. So you know, we're we've chosen a different identity. We're called Nuage Networks. We're not called Alcatel Lucent. Um, we're in the Silicon Valley, and we're trying to hire the same talent pool that the rest of the guys are hiring from. <laughs> sure. So, we, so we've created a really good culture there. That's it's really exciting and interesting, and, right. and uh, you know, I don't have the 
HP issued laptop that I carry around that the Alcatel guys get stuck <laughs> with. I mean, you know, it's we, we, we have the right tools for our jobs, and, right. and it's a it's a different environment yeah. there, and, and that's a good thing. And not to say that that Alcatel is a bad place to work because you know, the the guys that are working in that carrier business are doing great and yeah. they're having fun and they're they're you know winning a lot of business. Um, it's just if I want to hire some hot new computer science graduate out of Stanford. A big carrier company isn't necessarily what he wants to work on. No, so, so we represent ourselves as, as a little yeah, bit of a different yeah. beast, and, and uh, it's a good environment. and It's a really smart team, and, and that's why I decided to go to do this. Well, and, and so one uh, one other topic is none of the three of us come from an open source background, right? You know, and, and but we're all kind of everyone kicking and screaming is is you know developing open source backgrounds very quickly here and it's actually kind of funny to compare and contrast you know some of the other people that we know that come from you know very true open source backgrounds and how differently they can approach things at times and and talk about things at times and so you know when you come from almost like this closed source background yeah going and talking to all of these open source projects and and customers that are now starting to embrace open source is that a challenge for you, or, and is that something you've had to kind of rewire your head a little bit? A little or? bit, yeah. Okay, the, okay. the year I spent at Viata was really educational and kind of learning yeah. how to how to uh, relate to a community-driven project, um, which Viata does have a, a big community effort behind it, um, and how to reconcile that the commercial aspects of selling a product that's right. based on that. I yep. mean, it's it's difficult and challenging. And, sometimes hard to convert a customer off of free to paid and you really got to show a value there but the the networking industry has worked in open standards in a lot of ways for a long time and so it's a different beast it's more of a translation of open standards to open source but yes but there is an environment of collaboration and sharing of information we're not sharing source code and, and it's sometimes challenging to bring a big company like Alcatel around to the, hey, all this stuff we just spent a year developing, we're going to give it away, but it's all right. Right. right, <laughs> yeah. right. You know, and, and all of these companies are going through that. I know Juniper's gone through that with Open Contrail, and I'm sure Cisco has had their challenges in this in this matter as well. Right. Um, but, you know, we can follow the lead of people like IBM who have, have been contributing to Linux for a long time and, and see that there still is a very solid business model around sure. building business around these things. And then, you know, if you if you treat it in the spirit of collaboration like we've been doing in the ITF and IEEE and these sorts of things for a couple of decades, yeah. it's not that different. Sure. Right. I mean, you go to an IEEE meeting and you don't see a lot of guys barefoot in shorts walking around, yeah. but there's the handful every now and then. <laughs> but, uh, so, there's know, always some. Culturally, it's, it's been interesting to, to see some people come in, but I, I'm enjoying it, yeah. and, you know. Having worked in the kind of internet industry in the Valley in San Francisco for a few years, it's not a culture shock for me, but I have seen it for, for others. Well, and, you know, <laughs> something else culturally here at, at this particular show, and I don't know if it's just because it, it's, you know, here in Asia, I don't know if it's just because this this is definitely has a little bit more corporate feel than yeah. previous I think summits. There could be size. There's Yeah, there's, there's definitely, you know, there's less piercings. There's yeah. less bare feet. There's less beards. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this at dinner. There's last more people in collared yeah. shirts. No, we were talking um, about it last night. I I think a lot of that comes down to travel budget. Yeah. I mean, Portland is a two or three hundred dollar flight from the Silicon Valley in sure. Seattle, yeah. and this is a pretty big investment to come to this thing. And yeah. so, 
you know, yeah. you, you look at a big company with 200 people involved in OpenStack, and the ones that can justify the travel budget might just be the suits. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I think it'd just be in Asia, right? They, yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. it is a more formal yeah. It's a more Def formal Definitely a different cultural. Yeah, if you're not well. looking to stand out. <laughs> I, I do have to go put on a suit in a couple hours here <laughs> <Yeah>. for my <laughs> afternoon meeting. So, there you yeah. go. You don't do that example. Because it was actually kind of funny, I, uh, you know. I, I was in the, the Citrix booth the first day, so the, the, you know, doing the day job, and and they actually gave me crap because I showed up in in t-shirt and shorts and sneakers, <laughs> because they were like, hey, you're supposed to wear your black pants and your collared shirt, and I'm uh, like, not to this shit, no, you know. <laughs> but then, but then when I showed up, like half the other booths, they were all like that. I'm like, crap, okay, no, but, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get the marketing directives of what the booth uh, dress code is, but yeah. Yeah, you, but, you play by ear. Well, it's funny. Know. Someone took a picture of me doing one of my talks, yeah. and uh, someone responded, I like your open source business suit. <laughs> no, it's just like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. T-shirt and, uh, and a flannel. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah well, we've kind of come up with this notion of the Silicon Valley suit, which is like a sport jacket yeah, and a collared right, shirt right. untucked and then jeans. Yeah. Um, and the open source suit is, is you know, <laughs> an open shirt and a T-shirt. <laughs> All right, so we're about out of time. So, Scott, where can everyone find out more about you and the solutions and, and what you got going on so uh the company website is nuagenetworks.net um n-u-a-g-e n-u-a-g-e gotcha. yeah because everybody knows the french word for cloud um i'm uh scott at, at and uh, so you can email me there and i'm at s snedden on twitter so s-s-n-e-d-d-o-n very cool. All right. All right. So if you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks.